You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou... Well, last week I talked to you and, and mentioned in my sermon a little bit about um, the some important moments in my life, one of them being when I saw my wife coming down the aisle toward me at our wedding day. Um, my wife is one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. She's, she's the most amazing woman I've ever met in my life. Um, and with the exception of her taste in men, she's exceptional. <laughs> And, um, uh, you know, just uh, amazing to me uh, who she is. I, I would be in awe of her were she not my wife. Um, but because she is my wife, um, I adore her. And, and that, that emotion, that feeling, that sentiment is something I want to explore with you today uh, as we begin our sermon series on prayer. Um, because adoration is the centerpiece of prayer. It's how prayer rightfully begins. Um, but it's our, our level of adoration, our level of ad- is related to our level of admiration. As we look at God and think on who God truly is, it becomes even more amazing that He should, in the word of the church fathers, condescend. To look upon us and care for us. We blow by the words so quickly in the creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. It just kind of, and it's over and then we're on to Jesus. But I want to pause for a moment over what it means to be the creator of heaven and earth. Or as the Nicene Creed adds, all things visible and invisible. Um, so I'm going to, I think it's helpful for congregations to stay connected with one another. Yes, thank you, Paul. Uh, thank you, Steve. Um, we're going to be con- um, focusing for a minute on something that our confirmation students saw last week. I like to connect the ministries of the different age groups in the church. Um, so just a very brief section of a documentary they watched in full, which teaches us a little bit about how incredible it is, this creation that God made, and points us to how incredible He is as Creator. So, turn you to the screen. But I'm very, very struck by the fact that we can understand the universe uh, in such exquisite detail and at such a deep level. The spectacular progress of modern astronomy and physics is the product of a universe accessible to the human eye and mind. It is a universe governed by laws and forces that literally hold our planet Earth and the entire cosmos together and are finely calibrated to allow for both complex life and scientific discovery. If you didn't have something like gravity that pulled matter together, you would never get planets, you wouldn't get stars, you wouldn't get any complex organisms. If you didn't have the strong nuclear force, there would be nothing to hold protons and neutrons together in the nucleus. And so you wouldn't have any atoms, so no chemistry. If you didn't have the electromagnetic force, you would have no bonding between chemicals. You'd have no light. 
And the list goes on. So you need all these sorts of fundamental principles have to be in place in order for life to occur. Wipe out one of those principles, wipe out one of those laws. No life. During the past 40 years, scientists have determined the relative strengths of each of these primary laws and forces. These strengths are so critically balanced, they are often described as being finely tuned. If you're to take the basic fundamental constants of nature and you were to change these even slightly or you were to pick their values at random, you would almost never get a universe that would be habitable in any sort of way. That is, you couldn't have galaxies, you couldn't have planets, you couldn't have complex biological organisms if these uh, fundamental constants were even slightly different, slightly stronger, slightly weaker than they actually are in this universe. That's the idea of fine-tuning. To better appreciate this concept, imagine a machine able to control the strengths of each of the physical constants. If you changed, even slightly from its current setting, the strength of any one of these fundamental forces, such as gravity, the impact on complex life would be catastrophic. If you increased it by a little bit, no large-scale life forms could exist. Anything that was more than the size of a pea would be completely crushed. So you might be able to get life of a very, very primitive sort, such as bacteria, but you could never get conscious observers. This is one of a long list of properties in underlying physics that seem to be prerequisites for a universe with life. For example, the strengths of the other forces are all important, the masses of the various subatomic particles. If all of these things were even a little bit different, uh, then life uh, certainly life as we know it, could not exist. These forces and constants are another example of the correlation between life and discovery. For not only are they finely tuned for our existence, they can also be understood. It's remarkable how well the laws work. And not only that, it's remarkable how simple they are. And that also is related to the discoverability of the laws. Albert Einstein wrote, I have deep faith that the principles of the universe will be both beautiful and simple. For nearly 400 years, scientists have discovered an elegant simplicity in the mathematical equations that express and unlock the laws of the cosmos. It's been said that many of the most important theories in theoretical physics can be written on a single sheet of paper. And this, I think, uh, ought to be considered surprising, that such, such a simple formula or equation could have such far-reaching applications to a very complicated and very large universe. What you have is a universe that is not only finely tuned for life to occur, but also has a beautiful, elegant mathematical structure and a structure such that we can discover that structure. Most scientists just take it for granted that the world is both ordered and intelligible. And the intelligible part I find uh, really quite extraordinary because it's one thing to accept that the universe is ordered, but ordered in a way that human beings are, are capable of understanding is an extraordinary thing. And so the question naturally arises, what is the explanation for that? The question naturally arises, what is your explanation for that? Christians know that explanation is God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. 
This documentary is about 15 years old. They've now discovered over 40 of these elements that are so finely tuned that were they to deviate by as little as one-tenth of one percent, life would not only not be possible here, it would not be possible anywhere in the universe. And we think on the mind of God that He could organize all of this not only so that it could build and sustain our lives, but so that we could look to the heavens and being made in His image, quest after knowledge of Him through our consideration of the known universe. The scientists put up formulas on that screen. Here's what the psalmist wrote. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in their courses, what is man that you should be mindful of him, the son of man that you should seek him out? Yet you have made him but little lower than the angels. We know this God, the Father, not only as this incredible, amazing creator, we can revere him in that way, but to know that he cares for us so much that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life is to draw us from mere reverence toward adoration. And so too, we know the Holy Spirit, God who dwells within us, the, in the Hebrew, ruach. In the Greek, pneuma. The spirit that dwells within us and gives us life moment to moment, second to second. The one in whom we live and move and have our being. As Paul says in the book of Acts, quoting a pagan philosopher and poet. Or as an ancient prayer of the church has it. O heavenly king, O comforter, the spirit of truth who is everywhere present and filling all things. That God should give us His life to be within us. That He might draw us ever back toward Himself with such patience. No matter how far and how hard we run. To draw us ever back toward Himself. Such love in the Spirit. And of course, in the Son. The eternal Word of God who emptied Himself of everything it means to be God. Who at the cross emptied Himself of power. Emptied Himself of privilege. Emptied Himself even of honor. And took a place of shame amongst convicted criminals. A God who would give up everything He has simply for the sake of restoring us rebellious creatures. To relationship with Him, so that as our second reading had it, we might be called children of God. It's one thing to look on God and be amazed at what He's done in creating the universe or even the human body. It's another thing to know He loves you that much that He would endure the cross for your sake. This should draw us ever closer to God in adoration. Before we seek God's hands, we should seek His face. For we know of the love He has for us because of the cross.
I adore my wife because she loves me. She's an amazing woman. She'd be an amazing woman with or without me. But I adore her because of her love for me. We should adore God in the same way. One of the greatest theologians of his day, Vincent of Laurent, learned this from a simple peasant man in his congregation. He would go about his work constantly and in his there in his office uh, he would go back and forth and he would go and he would see this man sitting in a pew in the sanctuary day after day and he being a pastor wondered if the man was struggling earnestly with something and needed to unburden himself so he sat down beside him one day and he said what is it my son is there some great sin you need to confess is there some great struggle in your life and the man said to him no Well, why are you here every day for so many hours? And the peasant said to him, I look at him and he looks at me. I look at him and he looks at me. A relationship of love and mutual adoration is what we are called to in God through Jesus Christ. As we gather this day to thank God for the ongoing life of all those who have gone before us in faith, we we remember that it's not because of their righteousness they have eternal life, but because God is righteous. God is love. And God gives all for us in that love. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, when we consider your works, when we consider all that you have made, it just staggers the mind, and we are just beginning of our exploration, Lord. We are even more astounded that you should stoop from your mighty throne to seek after the rebellious hearts of people who turn all too willingly from you. Strengthen us, O Lord, that we may be ever drawn back to you in love, that we may come to you and consider just who you are, that every sunrise and every sunset, every star we see, every child's face would remind us of the great love you have for us, that the shadow of the cross cast across all the long years of history might draw our eyes ever back toward you. This we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the Keep your sleeping, my presence, my life.